evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Gold Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL Championship. Tonight, it's going to be kind of a short show. We're, we're just going to be talking about the match from last week and previewing the match this Friday against North Carolina FC. Joining me tonight... One of my favorite uh, photographers that works for RBNN. <laughs> <laughs> You're too nice. It's Bill Toomey. Hello, Bill. <laughs> How are you doing today, Jill? I'm doing very well. Uh, it was nice going to practice. Everybody uh, is in a really good mood. I have a fun Tom Barlow uh, story I could share. Uh, it, it was just it was all around a good time. Uh, we had a good time. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would be uh, feeling awesome. If Rebels two uh, got a tie on the the road this past weekend, but you know we didn't get that, so I'm all right. Can't complain. Our our guest Andrew Tenari chipped in with an assist in that match, and really just generally had a very very good match. Congrats, uh, Andrew. Next time, maybe save it for a team that's not Red Bull. That's all. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, Andrew. Great. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'll get to the Barlow stuff in a little bit, um, but. In the context of this match, I think you can look at the way that this team has played without Tom and without Brian, and you know maybe maybe a little bit of a red flag starting to get raised. Uh, Matias is not really a step back from either uh, of those two guys, or at least not much of a step back, uh, just in terms of their current form. But the way that they had to play to him in this match against Tampa Bay did not suit his style. I've talked about this with Tommy in the past. You don't want to just boot long uh, to, to Tom or boot long to Matias. It is not really their forte. Um, in this match, I think it was a little bit even more difficult for the Red Bulls because uh, the midfield trio of Tenari, uh, Dominic Oduro, who we'll talk more about later, and Quadwo uh, Poku, uh, really, they all had fantastic games. They pressed the bejesus out of the Red Bulls and the the midfield trio of Lima coffee and Stroud really just struggled. They, they could not get a decent run of possession uh, through uh, probably about 60 or so minutes of this match. They really, really struggled. They did. And it was funny seeing Poku again. Cause I'm like, wait, I've seen that name before New York city FC. <laughs> there, I, I used to make jokes about this with people I went to high school with that when they messed up up here, they had to go down to Florida. I don't think that Tanari or Poku necessarily messed up up here, but nope. it didn't work out for them. They went down to Florida. They're, they're thriving. So uh, good for them. The, the press and the way that they executed it reminded me so much of what we normally see from the Red Bulls. Um, but you got, you got to give them credit. They, approached the match very well. They took advantage of, I think, uh, Kofi and Lima don't necessarily have great close control, uh, and they like to have a little bit of time before they pass. Um, Tanari, true to his form, the Pitbull Terrier uh, you know, player that he is, he really, uh, I think, put them in a lot of bad positions. He forced them to make quicker decisions that came with a lot of poor passing, uh, a lot of turnovers, and just compounding those issues uh on the back line so even though i i I think um you know preston is in kind of a bad spot in this match because his inexperience really 
I think showed a little bit against uh, strong competition. I think Tampa Bay is a really, really talented team. Um, but it was made all the harder because of the way that the midfield played on the night and the lack of possession. It actually looked a lot like what we saw from the MLS Red Bulls earlier in the mm-hmm. season where they really they didn't have many ideas. Teams uh, did a good job of sort of suffocating the middle. And it became excuse me, it became a a uh, exercise of just booting it long and kind of hoping for the best. And like we said, that that really was a very poor way to play on the night. And, you know, I don't think that it's something that they're making a habit of. But if you look at the past two matches uh, between Ottawa and Tampa Bay, now both of those are good defensive squads. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that uh, the the Red Bulls are going to have a lot of questions that they're going to need to answer if they're not going to have those two guys that we mentioned, Barlow and White, uh, moving forward for any amount of time because it, it definitely seems like there is now a big hole uh, up front and it's going to take a lot to, to, to fix those problems. Yeah, um, like you said, there's a big hole up front and there's really nobody yet who's willing to i guess you could say like step up and take charge yet so they definitely need to to find someone who can step up and take the place of barlow and and whatnot and see you know what they can do yeah and look i think jorgensen is a guy that can do that up top i think he works best uh, with another partner we've talked about that in the past too um but you know the the story of the night i think is the way that the midfield really struggled to have any possession or passing and it really created issues everywhere any part of the field fails and it it, it ripples out and you saw that today um Sean McSherry late in the match uh had to be carted off the field Dominic Aduro came in it was a late slide uh to try to tackle well i guess you could say two quote unquote try to tackle the ball said he gets all of mcsherry initially it looked like he probably broke a bone i'm hearing that there's no broken bone uh but they are uh i think he has to go for an mri still so they're not really sure of the extent of the damage but you know i feel really bad for this guy sean is a really speedy talented player but we haven't seen much of him because he's a winger and this team is just flush full of wingers. So he's only had a few minutes here and there. Hopefully this is nothing that's going to keep him out for the long term. And uh, hopefully he gets right back up to speed. Dominic Aduro originally only gets a yellow card for this foul. It is a vicious slide tackle. Um, not quite in the um, in the vein of Mullen v. Zakuani, but certainly a a really dangerous thing to have done. I don't think he he did it with intent um, to hurt McSherry, no. but it, it was very sloppy. And uh, thankfully, they they overturned the yellow and gave him a red. Yeah, that that was a well deserved red card, unlike the red card we saw in the first team game on <laughs> Sunday. I I will defend the red card itself. Because he, uh, Tim Parker, uh, you know, I'll talk about this on Seeing Red, I'm sure. But Tim Parker did foul Joseph Martinez. It is a light foul, but he's the last defender. But Sabigo lets the play carry on, right? Calling advantage, and if there's advantage, then did he Where's, deny yeah. the goal scoring opportunity? Um, yeah, 
not not my uh, fight to have, unfortunately, but <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. I uh, was surprised they didn't call for VAR. I thought we would definitely have seen that come into play and at least get a call for that, but there wasn't any VAR. Well, like like I said, so Sabiga can look at that and say, okay, I I wanted to see if if there was advantage and. Uh, him taking the shot on its uh, in and of itself is not enough of an advantage, though I would disagree with that assertion. It's still up yeah. to him, and because of that, it's not really something that they would review. It's not a clear and obvious error. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about uh, Tampa Bay. One of the things that I thought was a little troubling in this match was the inability for the Red Bulls to uh, clear the ball on set pieces. The first goal comes off a set piece. The ball's bouncing around the box. Um, Tanari gets the assist on this goal, uh, but I think that the Red Bulls defense deserves more of the assist. They're the, they're unable to clear the ball. It's just kind of hanging out. Uh, Tejada cleans up for his first of the match. And uh, I think that really that it's that that goal itself was really kind of a dagger uh, because the team looked like they really weren't up for it on the night. And that happens sometimes with these young guys. That's, you know, it's part of, yeah. I think, their learning process. Uh, but once they scored that goal, it really took the wind out of their sails. It really did. And uh, that kind of was the downfall of the whole game there. And the second goal kind of came in the same way where the ball got inside the box and nobody could get the ball out of the box. And it was uh, a beautiful setup there for the second goal. Well, yeah. I mean, that pass is is beautiful. It curls around yeah. everyone on the back line. Uh, it leaves pretty much Evan Loro dead to rights. There's nothing you do about it. And Tejada, again, just nice, calm yeah. finish. Uh, that's all they need to do. And at that point, you saw the Red Bulls climb back into the match, but it was entirely because Tampa Bay took their foot off the gas. I want to see if uh, I can get maybe... I don't know if they have the stats like that for um, possession like they do in MLS. But I, oh, I'm willing to bet. Down, yeah. yeah, they don't have it broken down by minute. No. But I'm, I'm willing to bet that if you were to look at that match and um, look at the timestamps for when they were possessing the ball, it would absolutely be almost entirely focused oh, yeah, on the end of the match. Because uh, the entire number was 56.6% for Ribbles, too, to Tampa Bay only having 43.4 overall for the game in regards to the possession. Yeah. Which is just crazy to think about. It really is. Um, a couple of th- other things to note. If you were to look at the heat map for this match, um, I don't think it looks that bad for the Red Bulls for where they got most of their touches. They came out wide, which is something that we're kind of used to with the team. I think um, Marcus Epps and, you know, uh, obviously today Jared played inside, but uh, Ben Mines on the day. They did okay outside, but... Um, really struggled to to get the ball in and if you're gonna just look to break down a team like tampa bay that is organized just crossing the ball in is not going to get the job done we saw you know not again another parallel to atlanta but we saw atlanta try the same thing uh tampa bay had a red card they were up two goals they just stayed compact and you know said yeah. come on come and get it and red bull really couldn't <laughs> but uh yeah. what i wanted uh, the other the thing that i brought up this whole idea of for the heat map right above the Red Bulls box, they have almost no possession. So (laughs) if you want to look at an area where like, okay, well this really spells out uh, where the problem started, 
that's a good place to start. And uh, Tampa Bay's heat map is kind of all over the place, but it was because they did such a great job of just looking to attack quickly once they won the ball and, you know, beating Red Bull essentially at their own game, which I thought was kind of an interesting tactic. Yeah, um, I was surprised Brandon Allen didn't get any playing time. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him come on. I think maybe you would have seen him come in late if not for uh, the red cards, but I guess they thought uh, Zach Steinberg. After, you know, Tejada gets two goals, maybe give Brandon Allen a chance to get a good old penalty kick goal going on there. It would have been good. would have been good, but I guess uh, <laughs> we're going to have to wait for, I don't know, sometime in July they play him uh, again. Let's talk man of the match. Who you got? Man, man of the match on this one's really hard. I, I don't even know if I could pick anybody for man of the match. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will give it to... Hmm. You're right. This is a tough one. Yeah, it's not easy. Oh, gee. Let's see. Yeah, I, I don't know, honestly. I think you're right. Uh, let, me, let me check Evan's stats and see if, if I can give it to him just to give it to somebody. This is a bad match, and you know I think with the when the MLS side loses, uh, it's easier to be critical of them. These guys are young and they're still learning. They've done so well this year; it's really yeah. hard to get on them. Had a great season, right? So I think for the most part they're okay. Um, no, can't give it to Evan either. All right, um, we're, we're going uh, the ghost. The ghost was the man of the match. <laughs> Andrew Tanari <laughs> was the man of the match. I think that's that's there really what it comes down to. And of course, he makes team of the week. Tejada does not for his two goals somehow, but oh, wow. uh, yeah. Tanari does. Congrats, Andrew Tanari. I, I guess I can't have former players on the show because they they do well against us when we do. <laughs> It's all your fault, Joe. That yep. interview with Andrew Tenari was bad juju for the Rebels. I should never have made him admit that Brandon Allen is uh, the sloppy roommate. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's turn our attention to North Carolina FC. They right. are 4-2-4 and four on the season. A solid record. It's not that dissimilar from Tampa Bay. And also, uh, they have a plus-8 goal differential because they are very defensively stout. They are 2-1-2 in their last five matches, 2-2-1 away from home. Their wins in that stretch came against Charlotte and Hartford, not exactly heavy hitters. They lost to Ottawa in Ottawa, I believe, uh, and they drew against Indy and Birmingham. Both of those were 0-0 draws. Marios Lomas is the guy really running the show. He is there, Tom Barlow, six goals on the season. Big, strong, crafty striker, someone definitely to keep an eye on uh, if you're watching this match. He uh, likes to just sort of dominate back lines, so uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, other goals from the uh, the squad, Roberto Cristo, Thomas McCabe, cousin of uh, my cousin's boyfriend, <laughs> Stephen Miller, <laughs> Uh, those three each have two goals apiece. Austin Deleuze, former Metro, uh, he had a beautiful assist on an Henri goal once in Portland. Uh, Ulrich Iwolo, Ben Spees, and Sam Brotherton each have a goal apiece. Assists mostly coming from Stephen Miller, that's three. Manny Perez uh, and DJ Taylor each have two. Ulrich Iwolo, Ben Spees, and Marius Lomos have one. I just got a message from uh, Joe Steen. Where'd he go? 
uh, I guess he's not starting. That's okay. Um, uh, yeah, no, he's not going to be able to join us. That's okay. When you look at the, the breakdown of stats, uh, as I do, the very scientific uh, breakdown of stats, uh, New York has the edge, surprisingly, in defense and attack. Uh, this has been the case all season with every team. Uh, and North Carolina has a big edge in terms of their distribution. Very, very tidy on the ball. They like to pass the ball around. They have a lot of good veteran players uh, who you really don't want to toy with too much. The Red Bulls are are on 40.9 minutes per goal. Obviously a big drop over the weekend after getting shut out. We didn't mention that. I'm pretty sure that's their first time getting shut out this year. Really? I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna verify real quick, but I'm pretty sure they have scored in every other game they played. Yep. Let's see. First time shut out. Congrats, wow. Tampa Bay. Uh yeah. but North Carolina, right up there with them, fifty six point three percent. Uh similar teams in, in that regard in terms of just being defensively sound and scoring a lot of goals, but very, very different with how they like to do it. North Carolina is all about getting the ball wide and crossing for Lomas. Lomas is a bull. In uh, on his best day, he's very similar to a Connor Casey type striker, uh, but he's a lot more mobile, a lot uh, better control of the ball, and he just really makes things difficult for defenses. If you watch some of their matches uh, over their, uh, I guess the course of their season, especially if you look at Hartford or Charlotte. You just see a team just really looking to uh, get in behind or cross uh, wide and uh, just let Lomas do the rest. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But uh, over those same matches, if you watch them, when they do get caught, it's usually because they're being pressed and they make uh, bad mistakes. So Atlanta is one of the teams that had success against them. They did a very, very good job. Uh, of pressing them and got two goals out of them that way. And other teams have also done that to break down uh, North Carolina's defense, who, like I said, is very, very tough. Overall this season, they have conceded eight goals. Eight goals in ten matches. That's pretty darn good. Uh, Red Bulls would have been ten and ten. or Sorry, they would have been ten in nine matches uh, this past weekend. They gave up two, so it's twelve and ten. 1.2 1.2 goals per match for the Red Bulls. Anyway, so high press, can you can absolutely catch them, uh, but they have smart veterans, like I mentioned. Austin Deleuze is a really, really good midfielder, especially in the lower divisions of U.S. soccer. I think he's just really carved out a good place for himself and has done really well pretty much everywhere he's gone. You don't want to give the ball away in your own half against this team because they are smart. They are, they are crafty. They will make you pay. And they had done that to a number of teams this year. So while they are susceptible to the press, if they can get it going in your third, if you're trying to play it out of the back, look out, you will suffer. Bill, I just want to get your idea on uh, one, what you think the response is going to be like for the Red Bulls on, I think this is the first dollar hot dog night of the year. Maybe we had one other Friday night game. Um, and uh, who do you think is going to be starting up top? Dollar Hot Dog Night is always a good night. And it's funny that you mention it because I think the first team actually has Dollar Hot Dog Night uh, for tomorrow's game uh, for Vancouver. So it's always a good response for Dollar Hot Dog Night. And I think uh, up top, I think we're definitely going to see uh, Jared Stroud up top. Jared Stroud? 
Yeah. Okay. That's my, that's my wild guess. Let's put Stroud up top and uh, see what he can do. All right. I still think that that's not a great place for him, but uh, okay. Yeah, dollar hot dog night with the first team and the second team. Uh, because I'm always yelling at you guys to come out to the second team matches, if you work the juju just right this week, you can get yourself 20 hot dogs for $20. Think about yeah. that. You don't That's need to good. live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Take advantage of double dollar hot dog night this week, guys. Uh, and I think they're going to be selling those shirts. or they're, they're, I think they're raffling off the, um, the uh, camouflage shirts. And I think they're going to be selling Ooh. the striped ones again this week. But maybe I shouldn't tell you that because I want to get one this time. So forget <laughs> that. Uh, I said something else. Never mind the band behind the curtain. Uh, I think that we're going to see Matthias Jorgensen again. I've said this before in the past about Red Bull, that when they have a really bad match, they tend to turn it around and have a good week the following week. I think we're going to see that again this week. I would like to see um, Kofi play maybe a little bit higher in the field or or maybe go back to playing two strikers up top. Uh, if, if you were going to tell me that uh, Red Bull 2 were either going to start with Amarildo and Jorgensen or Elney and Jorgensen up top. I would be very happy to see that match, especially if it's just uh, Kofi and Lima behind them and Stroud playing out wide. I, I like that that they're trying him underneath, and I think at times he's he's done well there, but I still prefer him in a wider position. I think that's where his best assets are. And, you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna take or approach a match with the idea that you need uh, to beat a team on the counter, you're going to need guys like Stroud playing in a wider position, running at defenses, uh, looking to cross in. And uh, you get that some from uh, from Rito and Buckmaster too, but I think not having Stroud outside is a, a big or a difficult thing for them to um, to sort of cope with in the same way that it's difficult for them to cope without Tom Barlow. Let's get a score from you, Bill. Let's see. I, I do agree with you after they have a bad game. We always see that they have like a great game at home. So I'm not going to go too crazy with the score, but I'm going to say uh, 2-0, your Red Bulls 2. Yeah, it's at home. I feel pretty good about them there. Uh, I'm I'm not sure they're going to be able to score twice, uh, but who knows? I, I never know with this team, especially at home. They can really surprise you sometimes. I'm going to call this a one nothing win. I think they're good enough to keep uh, North Carolina out, but I can't see them scoring more than one goal. Uh, so yeah, one nothing from me, two nothing from Bill. One of us is going to be right, probably, <laughs> and it's not me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Bill because the the key to getting getting ahead in life is do the opposite of what I suggest. Isn't that right, Bill? Yeah, especially on Sunday because Joe told me not to bet on the Red Bulls winning at halftime. And I put some money down the Red Bulls, and I won. So, yeah, uh, we had nothing <laughs> to do go. with the outcome of that match, by the way. Regardless of the fact that there was money on it, um, Tom Barlow gets his first yes. goal for the the first team for the MLS side. Beats Atlanta, which I think fans just always love whenever they beat Atlanta because 
well, I, I don't think there needs to be much more of an explanation other than uh, what we've talked about in the past and their fans. Uh, but I talked to him today about this and asked him, did you think it was going to go in? And he said, no. <laughs> He's, I don't think anybody thought it was going to go in. Like even Brad Guzan, he like stopped. Like it was such a weird moment in time because I was right behind the goal. Yeah, and he just stopped and he like looked. Yeah, so the ball was rolling past the post, and then it goes in, and he was like, his jaw like dropped. So like he did not play the ball because he thought it was wide. Yeah, of course. Tom told me that he's he's been able to do that in the past, uh, where he puts like a little bit of a, a swerve on the ball. Uh, but he was not confident it was going to go in. But what he did say to me, and watching the replay or watching it live, I didn't, I didn't really see it at all. But watching the replay, I could see it. He was like, to me, it was just about getting uh, hit my head on the ball because Sean uh, Nealis was coming up and would have been able to clean it up. So, okay, I'll, I'll take that explanation. Uh, he also, I think, referred to it as his best header, so, <laughs> which I can't blame him. What a what a moment! What a feeling! You're yes. down a man, you come on in a match, you make a big difference in only your second uh, real minutes with the club. So, Tommy, all he does is score. A couple of weeks yes. ago, I was talking to Liam P- uh, Pettit. He was on the show, and I called Tom Barlow a dark horse to take over when Bradley is gone. So I also let Tom know today, you're making me look good by by scoring goals like that. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Next three matches for New York Red Bulls too. Uh, Two at home, one away. Uh, I got to get the right. Yes. Okay. So after North Carolina FC, they play Bethlehem Steel at home. They travel to Atlanta and then Louisville at home. That is a tough three matches. All three of those teams above the line. Or, well, uh, Atlanta is just below the line. They're tied with uh, Bethlehem Steel on points, but losing out a goal differential. And after that match, the Red Bulls will have played uh, nine of their 17 home matches. The New York Rebels wow. too. Right. So they will have eight remaining and 13 matches on the road for the rest of the season following that. So I think by about mid-July, you're really going to know a lot more about this team because we haven't really seen them uh, really face much adversity yet. They're starting to do that now uh, with the strikers. Uh, but doing that and going on the road and seeing, you know, so sort of what fortunes lie for them out there. That's going to tell you a lot about who this team is and what they're going to be capable of this season. Yep. We got a lot of Friday night games too. That's good. More, more hot dogs. Uh, I'll take them. More hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's look at the standings after last week. Tampa Bay is now alone at, the top of the table, 23 points, followed by the New York Red Bulls, 20, St. Louis, 19, Nashville, 18, Indy, Ottawa, and Louisville, 17 each, North Carolina and Charleston, 16, and then a big drop between 9 and 10 for Beth Steele. They are on 12 points. Below the line, Atlanta, 2, Birmingham, Pittsburgh, Loudoun, Memphis, Charlotte, Swope Park, and Hartford. Hartford Athletic! They got their first win. Yes, they did. 
Who'd they beat? I forget. They beat Loudon. Uh, Loudon, yep. Loudon Way United. to go, Hartford. We knew you could do it. You're, I think, already ahead of Toronto FC2's points last season. And so. that was an away game for Hartford 2, if I'm correct, right? They played... That's away. correct. They were away. They were at Loudon. There's a little bit of upheaval at Loudon right now. Bruce Arena named the head coach and sporting director at New England Revolution, and he said he's going to you know, be looking to pull in his staff from various places. One of those guys who is a Bruce Arena fixture is Richie Williams. We knew him very well at Red Bull. Uh, he spent two uh, different uh, um, tenures as an interim coach. He's currently the coach of Loudoun United, so he may be leaving to work with Bruce Arena. I would keep your eye on that. That uh, would be very, very interesting. Can we also mention that Hartford beat the New York Cosmos B team? They did. Cup? They beat them in the Open Cup, the PDL side. Uh, congrats. Oh, we could uh, we could even recap that a little bit. Uh, we're not going to be doing a ton of RBN, uh, or, sorry, RBU23 here because I, I just don't have what it takes to focus on that many extra things. <laughs> However... <laughs> They played Evergreen FC in their first match. Evergreen is traditionally not a very strong side. Our own Wilson uh, Quiseno was at the match. They won 6 nothing over Evergreen. Wow. They just really uh, destroyed them. Um, goals from uh, Jonathan Felipe. Uh, who else? Uh, it's too hard to get all these... <laughs> 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 Jonathan Jonathan Felipe uh no Sam Allen was the goalkeeper. Uh, uh I'm not going to be able to get through all of this while I'm looking. I'm trying to scan through the article and doing a very poor job of it. Guys, I've only got one eye. Did you know that? <laughs> it's true. I did. I did. It's true. Alan Alan Gavilanis uh, had one. Felipe had two on the match. Uh, I want to say uh, John Murphy definitely had one. Maybe I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> but they destroyed <laughs> Evergreen in their opener after losing midweek to Memphis. Congrats, E23s. We'll talk about you more. I'll know more next time because I'll plan for it. <laughs> but this time, you know, just giving you a little bit of a shout out. That that's all for us. It's a short show today. Uh, we of course are on Twitter. I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I'm at Bill T N J. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull Raising Bull Cast, and of course that's on Twitter. You can follow us at. Red Bulls News Network at rbnn.us or on the Twitter at RB News Network. You can go to facebook.com slash raisingbulls. You can go to raisingbulls.com. You can even send us questions there. I'm in the process of redesigning it. I had fixed some things up and then there was an update to the the, um, the theme. So I have to go back in there and, and work my magic again, I guess. Uh, but you can send us questions at raisingbulls.com and we will get to them. We want to talk to you, the listener. Send us questions wherever you feel is the best uh, outlet for you. But you know, Or hate mail. Yeah, hate mail. We haven't gotten hate mail in a while. Yeah. Would love that. <laughs> we are on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Find us, rate us, review us. If we're not there, tell us. We'll get ourselves on that platform. All of those things always help. 
please, please, please support your local podcasts. Of course, we're part of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. They're covering MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They have a ton of great shows like the Curse Cast, Six Point Weekend, Off Pitch Podcast, Orange and Black Soccer Cast, Rising is One, Mongols, Play the Kids, 1868 Weekly, and so much more. They've got a ton of great podcasts and written content. Please, please go check them out at bgn.fm. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Goal Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just you, yourself, or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of the other places at goldengoldpress.com. Last but not least, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself and for Mr. Bill Toomey, Thank you very much and have a great day. All right.